the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 ta- Cover Three Tailgate. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Pinelli. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Boy, reacting instantly here on a Tuesday night to the new co- the new top 25 rankings from the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. As projected, we do have a change at number four. Birthday boy Danny Cannell, not here. To just skewer the crying committee. his cake right now. Uh, Tennessee is still there. <laughs> the Clemson Tigers, hello, are making their first college football playoff rankings appearance of the season. Um, you know, lots of different ways to to break this down, Tom. We we did a, a few predictions on the uh, the show earlier today, and so I'll, I'll give you. You didn't get a chance to do prediction, so you get first word here. Were you surprised about? Uh, the swap of Washington and Florida State. No, I don't, I don't think anybody was. And I don't think anybody should be surprised because even with Utah falling out of the top 25, Washington now has wins over Arizona and Oregon, which are in this week's rankings, both top 15 wins. It's got the win over Oregon State, which is also a top 20 win. Florida State hasn't went over LSU, which who the committee still likes because they're still number 14 and they're still in the top 15. But by my math, two top 15 wins is better than one and three top 20 wins is better than one. So that's why Washington passed Florida State. My buzz uh, stat from earlier today was that since September 4th, Florida State has zero wins against teams the committee had ranked. Congratulations. That's now one. So since September 25th, uh, zero wins against teams that uh, are ranked in the committee's top 25. 
but Florida State, which, you know, has its own challenges uh, moving beyond Jordan Travis to try to beat Florida, beat Louisville, and be able to be a 13-0 and undefeated conference champ in the short college football playoff era. We have not had an undefeated conference champion from a power conference be left out, and that is what I think Florida State fans are thinking as they sit here at five. All we need to do is be able to go take care of business, and then hopefully the rest will sort itself out. Yeah, I mean, that's... The good news is there are five undefeated Power 5 teams left, but only four conferences with at least one. So as long as Florida State wins out, no matter what happens in the rest of the country, there will not be more than four undefeated Power 5s. And Florida State will get in, and some people will be very, very upset by it, most of them residing in the SEC. But it'll be deserved because if you go undefeated and you win your conference – and it's a Power 5 conference, I don't care if your quarterback gets hurt. You still won your conference without him, so you get to be in the playoff. Now, would I give Florida State much of a shot if they're in that game against Georgia or somebody in the first round? Probably not, but I kind of wish Danny was here because there was a question I wanted to pose him, but maybe I'll save it for tomorrow's show. Tomorrow's locks. I mean, you want to just spit it out into the ether? All right, Danny. I know you're okay. watching. Yeah, I, at dinner with your family, celebrating. <laughs> Did you? All right. So that man was point shaving today. You know how he? Uh, he said he was 45. <laughs> yes, Danny's only 45. That's why. Actually, you no, know we're joking. Danny is not currently celebrating with his family. Danny's in bed. Like when you get to Danny's age. <laughs> This is the time of night where you just you go to sleep. He'll be up at 4 a.m. before the sunrise because that's just what people in his age bracket do. But no, what I would ask him is, would you prefer Florida State loses one of these next two games and misses the playoff so that way you could spend the rest of your time saying, well, if Jordan Travis hadn't gotten hurt and pretending anything was possible – or would you rather get to the playoff without Jordan Travis and just get absolutely blown out by Georgia? I was thinking today about how we're already starting to circle around on the um, list of teams that we are a little bit concerned about what's going to happen when they get to number four Mm -hmm. on Saturday night. Remember that was one of our takeaways coming out of uh, Texas where it's like a really good team. It's good that they've gotten all this, but, Man, I kind of feel like they're going to get smoked by one of these top teams. It's like there's, we're, we're just waiting to pass around that unlucky hat. Who's going to go to a New Year's Six game and win with a bunch of confidence to mm-hmm. number five in the country and, and take that to the recruiting trail? And who is going to end up number four and end up getting smoked in the semifinal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even in a year like this, like when we could have four undefeated Power Five champions – there are very rarely more than two elite teams. There's usually only even one. So it's like, no matter what happens, that four seed is probably going to get smoked, especially because like Georgia has kind of just reached death star status. Like mm-hmm. it's offense. It's defense is still not the elite unit that it has been the last few years, but it's getting better, but it's offense is much better than it has been at any point in the last few years. And it is like a team that could put up, you know, 40 on anybody like you they step on the field they could put up 40 on you and then they don't even need an elite defense so it's like the closer we get to this and the more i've seen like michigan struggle on offense even against maryland a little bit georgia to me looks like the only team that i still really have faith in winning the national title now maybe we'll see ohio state because i wrote today in big time how their offense is kind of rounding into form 
maybe if they play really well against Michigan and their offense shows it's capable of doing that to a really good defense, then I would give them a shot. But just based on what we've seen to this point, I feel like the Bulldogs are the only national title team in existence right now. By the way, the cover three tailgate is overwhelmingly would rather get to the playoffs than get blown out. But that's a slash. Why do you think we would get blown out? And it's that unbridled confidence, which is why we love you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's it. I, it was a question that was posed, right? I'm not emotionally invested in this. So I gave my opinion, but you know, there's, there is definitely something to be able to, to be said that you were in the playoff and then you start to have every other year, you're not doing a playoff drought like we're talking about right now. Hasn't made the playoff since 2014. Now all of a sudden that's not a conversation. You know, sometimes you do have to have the, you know, lose big, lose small, win small, win big. Maybe you do need to be able to get there. The, the, again, just from the the people that are hanging out with us right now, we really appreciate all of you. I'm glad that you're letting us know that you would rather in that scenario make the playoffs because then it's at least a college football playoff appearance. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I speak from some experience in that, like as a Chicago Bulls fan way back in the day, like when Derrick Rose won the MVP, he tore his ACL. So at least for a while there, when the Bulls just kind of fell off the face of the earth, I had a few years there where I could be like, man, if only Derek had never gotten hurt, things would be so much different. You know, they would have gone on to the finals. They would have beaten LeBron in the heat and blah, blah, blah. And that for a fan is, you know, that delusion, it gets you through some tough times. So I wouldn't just dismiss it if I'm a Florida State fan. Well, yeah, and look, there's there are plenty of examples of the um, – you know, the the matchup of Michigan and TCU looked incredibly one-sided towards Michigan's favor until TCU went and won the football game. So I don't mm-hmm. – maybe maybe Florida State is the TCU of this season. Maybe, yeah. Maybe Carson Beck shows up and starts throwing pick sixes. Maybe. We'll see. Um, do you think, as we continue to look ahead towards Ohio State and Michigan, no changes in the college football playoff rankings, but in terms of the college football playoff picture, uh, how do you see those two in terms of the stakes and the path, regardless of outcome? Like, what what are the different ways that that game goes, and, and how does it go moving forward for each of the Buckeyes and the Wolverines? I I think the scenario we saw last year is still very much in play. I think the loser of this game has a very real shot to reach the playoff as long as they don't get absolutely blown out in this game. And I think what happened with Jordan Travis has had a tremendous impact on that because I'm not nearly as confident in Florida State winning out without Jordan Travis. I think that they could lose to Florida this week. I think that they could lose to Louisville in the ACC championship without him. And if that happens, that takes one team off the table. If Oregon beats Washington, that could take the Huskies out of the table. So depending on how that goes, and then plus another takeaway I have from the rankings that came out, like Louisville has no shot to get to the playoff. Even if they win the win this week against Kentucky and they beat Florida State in the ACC championship. Because the fact that they are a 10-1 team behind 9-2 and Missouri tells me that the committee views that pit loss as two losses. Mm-hmm. So even if they win out, they're going to be, in the committee's eyes, a two-loss team, and they are not going to get one of those four spots. So I think that the winner of the Big Ten Championship is almost without a doubt certainly in, because unless Iowa does something that I don't know that Iowa is capable of doing, they're going to go on and win the Big Ten title game. They will get in. The only question is, will they be a two-seed or a three-seed or even a one-seed if Georgia loses to Alabama? 
But the loser, I think, as long as they don't get blown out, it'll be just like last year with Ohio State where they got that fourth seed. They've got a very good shot. It's just, I think like last year, it felt more confident in the loser getting in because of other circumstances, whereas this year, with that many undefeated teams left, the odds are slightly lower. I think Ohio State generally has a better chance than Michigan of getting in after losing. And that would be mostly because you've got a win at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And Michigan's non-conference strength of schedule is not as good as Ohio State's. And Michigan's Big Ten draw was not as difficult as Ohio State's. And so you know, if you're Ohio State splitting hairs against other one-loss teams, you might not have a conference championship in the event that you lose to Michigan this Saturday but at least you would have these other factors to be able to help you. Michigan is basically just going to be eye test because you're only going to be talking about one team again, one win against a team that's ranked. Um, I, I think the path for Michigan after a loss is much more difficult. I think Ohio state could sustain it a little better. Like you mentioned, a lot of other action, uh, especially with the Washington, Oregon scenario that I think would play a factor in this Texas also would like a word because, you know, we're we're doing a lot of big assumptions about Texas football winning the next two games. That's one thing that I, and we can maybe get to that in a little bit if you want. But like, yes, Texas is a ceiling for Alabama mm-hmm. rankings wise, but you know, Texas Tech this weekend and then a Big Twelve championship game, winning them both would be. This would be a banner year for Texas football because guess what? I know it's their last year of the Big 12, but through their whole Big 12 history, not as many conference titles as you would have thought mm-hmm. given the idea that it's big Texas football. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of scenarios where either one of them with the loss, if all of a sudden you start to see, you know, Oregon take a second loss, if you start to see Texas take a second loss, if you see Alabama take a second loss, like we can start to see those teams start to, you know, fall by the wayside in a way that could open things up for the loser. But in general, I'm more, uh, Michigan needs it more from a playoff perspective. I would agree with that. Going back to what you just mentioned there with Texas, I think there is a shot like it's not completely or Texas is ahead of Alabama and Oregon is ahead of Texas, but I think Texas can easily leapfrog Oregon, even if Oregon wins out because this week, Utah is no longer in the rankings. That was Oregon's best win so far. Mm-hmm. They don't have another win over a ranked team. Their lone loss was a close loss to Washington, but they play Oregon state Friday night. Oregon State dropped five spots for losing to Washington. They're down to 16. If Oregon beats them, they'll probably hang on to a top 25 spot, but I'm guessing they'll be lower than 20 considering like how it can 23. be 23. Yeah, for losing to Washington at home. I mean, but That's where four, four lost teams exist between 20 and 25. Mm-hmm. Whereas Texas has the 10-point win on the road against Alabama, which is a, you know, a shining beacon for the Longhorns when it comes to their resume. They have a win over Kansas, which isn't ranked, but is respectable. They've got the win over a ranked Kansas State team. Texas Tech won't do anything for their resume, but if they go to the Big 12 title game, they're going to play another ranked team there in all likelihood, which would add to another resume. So when you compare the resumes at the end of the year, even if Oregon wins out, you might be able to still argue Texas has a better resume than Oregon. So I think they're very much alive if they went out 
and Alabama is very much alive when they went out. So when I when I look at the situation right now, and this is what's really interesting, I, I do think these top eight teams all still have a legitimate shot to get if they, get there if they went out. Like the only team I feel like could win out and lose or miss out is either the one of the Oregon or Texas, depending on what happens around them. I think if Alabama wins out, there's no way in the world they would keep them out. I thought that. I thought that. It was like big CFP and on energy. Like, you ain't keeping Nick Saban out. Not if he wins the SEC championship. Not if he beats Georgia. But we'll see. That would... To put Nick Saban and Alabama in, are you saying Georgia's out? I don't know if Georgia's out. I just don't think they're keeping Alabama out. Would you... Would, do you think that they would keep Alabama out at 12 and one if it, all of a sudden like Michigan's 13 and0 Washington's 13 and0 Florida State's 13 and0 no I don't think they're gonna keep the SEC champion out no matter unless they have two losses I just don't see a scenario I mean look at how this committee treats SEC teams every year Tennessee is still ranked like it's they have I'm not arguing whether it's right or wrong. Right, I'm right, just right, saying right, right. the way that the SEC is treated, the committee year in and year out clearly believes the SEC is better than everybody else. That is evident in the way they have ranked teams from the very beginning when Mississippi State was the first number one team in the history of the college football playoff rankings. I do not see a scenario in which an Alabama team could lose once all year go on to win the SEC and then beat the two-time defending champion in the SEC championship game, the team that was ranked number one prior to that game, which they will be, assuming they don't lose to Georgia Tech, and not put Alabama in the top four. I just, it's, it would blow my mind if that happened. I know. I know. It would blow mine too. I got in trouble. I got in, got in trouble on CBS Sports Network talking with the great Chris Hassel. I did a lot of that. I did a lot of what you just did, which is like, look, this is just what I think could happen. Chris Hassel put should. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I did not say should. Should ain't got nothing to do with it. Should ain't got nothing to do with could. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's the easiest path to no chaos because we keep cooking up all these chaos scenarios. Georgia wins. Um, Washington wins, Florida State wins, Ohio State, Michigan winner wins the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Then it's easy, easy four 13 and no teams. Mm-hmm. Record like huge, right? We're, we're able to sit there and be like, you know what? Last year, the four team format, this is incredible. This is great. Four undefeated teams will crown Georgia the national champion, it'll be beautiful. Three in a row. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> Coming up on the other side, more implications from the latest updated rankings, including the race for the new year six. Next. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, again, reacting to the new rankings. Uh, Washington jumps ahead of Florida State. You still got Oregon 6, Texas 7, Alabama 8, Missouri at 9, Louisville stuck at 10. Tom Fernelli, great point there. It's not a good sign for Louisville to be behind two lost Missouri. Uh, you've got a situation where Oregon State falls to 16. They are behind Arizona at 15. Uh, Iowa up to 17. Tennessee somehow ranked at number 21. New additions to the committee's top 25. NC State checking in at 22. Clemson <laughs> at 24. Liberty at 25. So um, when you saw it, because they, they, they put it up in reverse order on the broadcast. I was live on CBS Sports HQ and I had another monitor with the, the show on. When I saw Clemson, I said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Things are looking up for the Florida State Seminoles. What other takeaways do you have from that back end of the rankings? I mean, I, we've talked about it every week. I don't understand what the committee sees in Tennessee. It's The team has played four good teams. And it has lost to all four of them. And a few of them, you know, it wasn't really close. Like, this is a team that its wins are Virginia, Austin P, UTSA. Good team. I like UTSA. South Carolina, Texas A&M, Kentucky, and UConn. If your best win is UTSA, and I like UTSA, again, you are not or should you do not have a resume that resembles anything close to the 21st best team in the country in these rankings. Not when you've lost to Florida by 13, when you've lost to Alabama by 14, when you lost to Missouri by 29, and you lost to Georgia by 28. That's You're, you're a 25 to 30 team at best. But again, the committee clearly values the SEC and thinks that they are a stronger league because – I guess an SEC loss really in their mind only counts as like 0.75 losses or something. I, I don't know the way that they calculate it, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it blows my mind, but there's also the conspiracy theory as well. They're just trying to prop up Alabama's resume if they need to put Alabama. Or Georgia. Yeah. Or Georgia's. Yeah. But because the key is the key is to be able to say this line right here and the Georgia Bulldogs who have beat three strength ranked teams. That's the line. That's really good because mm-hmm. 
Georgia's strength of schedule when they started this was not good. It's why Georgia was not in the number one spot, despite being number one in the AP and the coaches poll. You say, well, look at that strength of schedule. And then all of a sudden they start to beat them. As long as Tennessee is ranked, you can say that Georgia has defeated three ranked teams in three consecutive weeks. And they have looked good. Like the combination of the schedule getting tougher has coincided with Georgia playing its best football, getting Brock Bowers back, getting Amarius Mims back, being healthier. We put big bad lad, you know, we let him spend half the season getting his back ready. I mean, Lad McCocky's not that old. Come on. But they are at like yeah, you know, like you're saying, Georgia's hitting its peak at the right time. And I, I think that uh the Tennessee works both ways for either Alabama or Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I think to you can make the same argument like we talked like Iowa is only 17 because of its record. Right? There's absolutely nothing about Iowa that it says they're the 17th best team in the country. Because for what I just went with Tennessee, here's Iowa's wins. Utah State, Iowa State, Western Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois. They've lost to Minnesota 12 to 10 in a thriller, and they lost to Penn State 31 to nothing. Like, if you look at the rankings right now, the They're five 16- spots away from each other and 31 points away from each other on the field. You look at the rankings, the 16 teams ahead of Iowa. I do not think Iowa would beat a single one of them. They would be underdogs against all 16. You look at the teams below Iowa. I don't think Iowa's beating Notre Dame. I don't think Iowa's beating Kansas State. I think Iowa could beat Oklahoma State. I think they could beat Tennessee and NC State and Tulane and Liberty. I don't think they would beat Clemson. So clearly, this is just, they're 9-2. and two. We can't not rank a 9-2 and two Big Ten team. But I think the fact that they are ranked behind three 8-3 and three teams says an awful lot about what the committee genuinely thinks of them. For the record, Iowa and NC State would be a Big Ten West game. In <laughs> yeah. 2023, they would 100% field position the hell out of that thing for 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. First scoop and score wins. It's the way that game ends. Um, all right, let's see. Good question here from uh, the Cover 3 tailgate. Does the winner of Michigan and Ohio State jump Georgia for the number one spot? Because remember, we do have one. We do, we do have one more of these on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. If, if they blow them out, I think there's a good chance. If it's just a close game, I doubt it. Because, I mean, Georgia. The winner either way is like, just thumps them, then you come out of it and maybe start to talk about number one again. I mean, maybe Ohio State do it. I don't think Michigan can do it unless they beat Ohio State by like 30. If Ohio State beats Michigan and they've got the Notre Dame win and they've got a Michigan win and they've got the Penn State win, then maybe the committee will put them back at number one because they had been number one already. But I also think that Georgia, now that it has the wins over Missouri and Ole Miss, kind of pushes back because like when you look at the two teams like Ohio State's been better the last few weeks but Georgia's been the better team from start to finish all year long so that does matter like we spend a lot of time arguing resume but we can't forget the eye test does play a factor in this just as much as anything yeah 100 percent. you know what Dennis invoked tonight on HQ the fifth amendment the luck eyes you called them the luck eyes he was referencing how the 2002 team, 14 and 0, or thir- 14 and 0, and half of their wins were by one score or less, 
and said that they were calling themselves the luck eyes and nobody ever thought that they were that good. And what, you know, kind of hinting at like this Ohio state team might be having those 2002 vibes. Dennis, I think this Ohio State team would beat that Ohio State team by about 30 points. The breaks of them. <laughs> I think they would destroy them. Well, I mean, yeah. Ohio State is dealing st- – we are sitting here on November 21st with 11 games in the books, and Ohio State is still fighting the specter of what we thought Ohio State was going to be offensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ohio State, I mean, it's kind of – un- it's not even unspoken. It's – Ohio State got beat by a stronger team the last few years. So Ohio State came with the goal of being a version of Michigan, just their own different Ohio State version of it, because that's really what they've been, you know, molded themselves into. It's just I think that this Ohio State offense has a much higher ceiling than either of the last two Michigan offenses ever had. Mm. Um, I, we will be doing our uh, our locks for Ohio State and Michigan on Wednesday's show, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, come and check it out for all of our Week 13 locks. Anything else, um, you know, either with an eye ahead to Week 13 that uh, that jumps out to you? Uh, no, I mean, there's really nothing, not a whole lot to take from this of consequence other that we haven't discussed because, like, it it truly is like. After the top eight teams, we can discuss it, but nine through 25 don't matter. I mean, they matter for New Year's Six Bowls and for the G5, but as far as the playoff is concerned, it's the top eight teams, and that has the only movement we have seen in there is Washington passing Florida State this week, and everything else has been the same practically the entire time, and until there's a shakeup among those eight teams that involve one of them losing a game, not much is going to matter. Tulane plays host to UTSA. That'll be a very difficult game, and so would winning the conference championship game um, the following week, likely against SMU. Now they are at 23. Liberty at 25 is eyebrows up. For yeah, that surprised me a little bit. What that could mean, because look, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to place – I would not be surprised if Tulane does not get a chance to play in the American Athletic Conference championship game based on how things could go on Saturday. So that would then have Liberty next in line. What an incredible debut for Jamie Chadwell that would be if he can get the Flames into a New Year's Six Bowl game. I haven't put on my CFP on hat, so I'm just going to put it on for this one, which is a shame that I'm wasting it on the bottom of the pole, but... I think Liberty is having a bone thrown to it because if Tulane loses to UTSA and then whoever wins the UTSA SMU title game, that team will get ranked ahead of Liberty by the, Oh, like you're getting it right now. Mm-hmm. The America, I, I really do think the American athletic conference champion, whether it's Tulane SMU or UTSA will finish ahead of Liberty, especially because Liberty can't play Jacksonville state again in the conference championship game. And Jacksonville State is probably the second best team in that league. So its resume is not going to get much of a boost. UTSA, though, what was it? One and three in conference play? I mean, no, excuse me. One and three in non-conference play. Mm-hmm. They've won seven games in a row. That would be, if Liberty was 13 and 0, that one might be yeah. difficult to, yeah. to wrestle. Well, but we'll see. I mean. So, yeah, you're right. So as long as it's SMU or Tulane, I don't think Liberty has a chance. Right, because SMU would be um, – only looking at the Oklahoma loss and the TCU loss and then undefeated in conference play the rest of the way. Um, I will also point out 
there is a chance UNLV wins the Mountain West with a 12 and one record, and their only loss would have been a road loss to Michigan. Oh, yeah. And that's how you uh, get Michigan to jump ahead of undefeated Florida State. And you can. <laughs> True. Mean, yeah, yeah. Slot yeah. <laughs> UNLV in there. And woohoo, Michigan's got another win against a top 25 team. CFP and on hats are for the end of week 13 college football playoff rankings release shows. <laughs> it was, it is strange. Like when they first put the teams on the screen, I saw Liberty there. I was like, Oh, okay. okay that, Cause yeah. I, I really did not expect to see it. Well, because they, ha- they have the, the outlier. They've got the number one, three, three strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. There are 133 teams in the FBS and they are 133rd. That, that I believe is literally the worst. Um, and by the way, our uh, our Prince Jerry Kill could also have a say as New Mexico State will be playing Liberty in the Conference USA Championship. So who knows? Maybe the Aggies are Cusa champs. And they did beat Liberty last year too. Mm. So they just they they Jerry Kill just really hates you. That's all Jerry Kill does is he beats uh, (laughs) Hugh Freeze and Liberty. Yeah, it's just it's it's Jerry Kill's entire bag. He's got he's got Hugh Freeze on these knuckles and he's got Liberty on these. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yes, we will be back Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, so that we can roll through our entire locks card for Week 13. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fennell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Tom, thank you very much. You're welcome. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.